passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. (laughs) Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Welcome in to the Husker 24-7 podcast. I'm Mike Schaefer, joined by Brian Christopherson here on Tuesday. You see, how is Memorial Day? Uh, can't complain. Uh, there was a family grill out and um, just a, I wrote a couple Husker items. And so an easy, easy breezy day. It's it been an easy breezy month, but June, June should be interesting. June is going to be very interesting. June is going to be... Uh camps and recruiting and uh we'll see what else what else comes out of it in june but june uh june will have to wait because we've still got two more days of may to to kind of slink through here i i'm curious do you view memorial day as the unofficial opening of summer um it's as good a time as any to set it set it down and say yeah let's let's jump from the blocks and and you know put on our sunscreen so yes um and I just got I just got a new lawnmower. Oh, um, so, so it feels like uh, I had to say goodbye to a friend, uh, a mower of eleven years that I had Couldn't a pretty keep close, that one running, huh? close relationship with. Well, I I might have pulled the plug on him early, but uh, apparently they don't make Husvarnas anymore. I didn't even know that. Like uh, people act like I'm toting around a mower from uh, 1972. Yeah. Well, is it? Uh... Is it one of those cylinder ones that, you know, you're pushing and it just clips over like the roller wheels? You remember the really old mowers? Yeah, this is better. This was better than that. I don't want to uh, take shots at it now that it's gone, but um, we had a lot of good times. I mean, there were a lot of good times. There were some frustrating times where we would mow and the twins would blow a lead while I was mowing. But all in all, I can't complain about her, but uh, she's gone and uh, a, n- a new one has has to take over. It's just like... Uh, 
It's just like a football depth chart. You just got to turn to the next guy at the turn. Next at the man up. Yep. That's the way it goes. So I, I guess people are going to want to know, like, did you, did you go out and really have to search the transfer portal for a new mower here? Or did you already have an idea of what you wanted? No, I went to ACE cause it's like a two blocks away. So I could get it in my truck and drive it without a lot of worry about anything happening. So I, I picked up a Toro and I didn't, I don't need any hot takes on mowers. I just want this guy <laughs> to hang around for about a decade. If he, if he, if he just does a solid job, doesn't show off too much. That's enough for me. See, you were gone when the, the mowing conversation was raging oh. hot about gas mowers versus electric mowers. You you really could have been taking notes in that section, I guess, if you wanted to. Yeah, missed out. Was uh, hitting the golf courses as I saw you did. I saw you hit the course in uh, Homer, Nebraska, which I, I look forward to playing this summer. So it, it seems like it's a gem. Yeah, I uh, I'm very curious to hear what your review of that place will be in the summer because I think in the spring and the fall it's going to play a lot different than when it's it's rock hard in uh, July and August. So uh, you know it's going to be uh, you'll have a good time out there. It was a good time at Landman. All right, nobody wants to hear us talk about golf. I think, uh, and if if they do, you know, let us know in in some fashion, and we'll try to work in some more golf talk. But I well, think. Well, a friend of the pod, Brady Schnell, on sometime to talk about some golf. He he wants to hear us talk about golf, but I don't I don't I don't think he would enjoy Landman based on some conversations with him. I don't oh, I don't think that course is for him. All right. So, um, all right. Let's let's dive into what's going to be happening here. I mean, so Nebraska welcomed quite a few players here this past weekend as they joined the Nebraska program. Not everybody. Some kids still have school, which is foreign concept to me. I. We're done by Memorial Day weekend. So, um, you know, for for me, the idea that there's still people out there in, in high school hallways, like that's that's a little uh, a little ridiculous. But they have to finish out their careers and then they'll be joining. But a, a handful have already joined the Nebraska program. Brian, as you look at that 2023 signing class, I mean, you know, there's some impact guys that showed up in the spring and were there, you know, Matt and Prince Will, Cam Lenhart, uh, Gunnar Gatula got some time at left tackle. So you had some early enrollee freshmen um, that certainly, you know, made their impact. But as you sort of sift through some of the guys that are coming here and you wrote about a few, who kind of stands out for you that will be joining Nebraska, you know, right now? And maybe, you know, maybe they're going to have an opportunity to force the issue of playing time or maybe they're going to be a little bit late. But long term, you're you're very intrigued by these individuals. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go through all of them throughout the course of June, but so far I've, I've hit on uh, Eric Fields and Ethan Nation. Um, Eric Fields, uh, you could start there because um, he was like one of those guys who would have been an under-the-radar sleeper type player to most. And then when Matt Rule talked about him at early signing day at the press conference, it completely changed the dynamic around him as far as like how the fan base and I think media – uh, discusses him because you can tell this staff just thinks they got a dude there. And that doesn't mean he walks in the door and, you know, is a starter right away or even on the two deep, but there's a lot to like in just his, um, for one, I know Tony white has said, I think he's listed at 195 now, but he said he like carries himself bigger than that. And he could be a guy who could get up to like 220, 225. I kind of dig the fact that he's uh, his genes, you know, he's got the dad who is like a golden gloves guy. I love that sort of stuff. And then just 
you know, I know he's got to do it at higher levels and maybe he was in a, a high school district that was a little under the radar, but when a guy piles up 180 tackles and you watch his tape and it's just like, he's all over the field. Um, you're, you're a little, uh, my Terrell Farley senses go off, mm -hmm. you know, like, and I'm not saying he's going to be, Oh that. boy. yeah, he's going to be that guy. I'm not, I'm not saying that, but, um, you get that like thought of a player, like, okay, I love the way this guy just goes sideline to sideline and stuff like that. And I remember, I think he gave you the quote when he committed, like how he's tired of pit pat football or something like that. that. Brunch. Yeah, that brunch. Brunch, yeah. And that quote has stuck with me. And I was like, I like this dude. So, uh, I'm, I'm really interested in what he does. Um, but there's all sorts of guys. I think with the receivers, I mean, there's six guys coming in and, um, I could see a, three or four of them playing, you know, they need some guys to step up, um, whether it's a niche role or something greater. I always go back to Jaden Doss. And I think sometimes he gets lost in the sauce mm -hmm. because he was uh, a commitment long ago. Uh, but when you talk about a positionless offense, which Satterfield speaks on some and guys who can do a little bit of everything, uh, Doss certainly has that, um, in his arsenal. So he's interesting to me. Um, Riley Van Poppel, obviously, you could talk more on him, but I, I think uh, when you hear a coaching staff talk about playing in waves on the defensive line, um, and we've seen some young players, as you mentioned, uh, have good springs, there's no reason Van Poppel couldn't make an impression in the summer and fall and uh, contend for at least some snaps. He's certainly planning to. I mean, there's no no question there. I mean, he, he wasn't able to enroll early, but he – has put a lot of effort in this spring to uh, to give himself the best chance when he's working out this summer. And then, of course, obviously, when fall camp starts in August. You mentioned wide receivers. I talked with Robert Jones, uh, head coach at Bay City, where Bryce Turner comes from. And uh, Nebraska official visitor next weekend, Carlone Jones, will be uh, visiting as well. And Bryce Turner, you know, down there, like, they feel like the best is yet to come for Bryce Turner. Mm -hmm. Like he's just scratching the surface, but as Robert Jones said it, and the thing that Nebraska just was enamored with, he's all these things that you can't really develop. Like he's already fast. He's already six foot two. And Robert Jones was adamant that he is absolutely six foot two. And because of these things, uh, Look, he, he didn't have, like, a monster high school career. He was a good player for Bay City, and they went from winless uh, before Jones got there to they made the playoffs for the first time in a long time uh, last year. And Carlone Jones and Bryce Turner are big parts of that. But he just thinks this is a guy that is going to, to kind of, like, hang out around the surface and then just explode one day. And we've seen that with different people for Matt Rule in the past. I mean, I, I've used this example, and – it's tough because he's obviously now playing for the Patriots in the NFL. And I don't want to say like that's where Bryce Turner or, you know, whether it's, it's Bryce Turner or any of those guys, but they got a lot out of Ty Tyquan Thornton, his freshman year at Baylor. And it wasn't like he was putting up eight catch games or anything, but I think he had 20 catches for like a nice 16, 17 yard average was a big play threat. You know, a couple catches a game could push the ball down the field to him. You catch the defense sleeping a little bit. Like, I I think that's the kind of impact if you're looking for these freshman wide receivers. I think someone can emerge in that way, whether it's Malachi Coleman because he's physically gifted, whether it's Bryce Turner because he's fast and he's also a little bit tall at six foot two and you can make him a vertical threat. I think someone is going to emerge out of that wide receiver group. 
and and I wouldn't write off Bryce Turner. I mean, he has been a little banged Ooh. up this spring, and so he's he's going to try to get healthy. But uh, that wide receiver group, I mean, it you know whether it's Jaden Doss, Malachi Coleman, Bryce Turner, uh, what is it, uh, Jeremiah Charles is another one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, they just they've got some guys there that are maybe going to be a little bit unsung early but could pop just because of their athleticism. And I think that's going to make the wide receiver group, which is already fascinating, certainly one we're going to be paying close attention to in August. Yeah. I think this pod, you know, this would be the type of thing we would talk about in previous summers about this time of year to fill a space, but it's sort of like almost wasting your oxygen because you, you there's like maybe three or four guys who will get out there a little bit. And it does it does feel different to me this mm-hmm. year and it's why it's going to be such a fascinating fall camp is um, we've already seen in the spring. We don't know how much they're going to play, of course, but guys who we didn't think were even on the radar over the span of 15 practices suddenly became like, Oh, he could play 20 snaps like a Brody Tagaloa type guy yep. on the D line and stuff. And so you can apply that same thing now to these incoming freshmen, I think um, where there's going to be, and there's going to be someone we're not even talking about, you know, yep. who's, who's going to pop, whether it's like a Ramir Stewart or somebody like that, or, you know, Dylan Rogers, nobody talks about Dylan Rogers or the linebacker, like somebody like that is just going to show up. You're going to hear about him on like August 17th on a practice and realize like, Oh, he's in the mix, you know, and that's why it's going to be fun. And then obviously you've got like high profile guys like Tristan Alvana, who people just sort of expect is going to show up and just be lining them up at kicker. Yeah, no pressure there. Um, But uh, I think he kind of brings that on. Do you have a sleeper? I'll throw out one sleeper while you think about it, because I think he is to people. And I I don't even know if I'm going to say his name right. I spell him. I don't or I I spell him. I don't uh, say him a lot. But Jason Machachek, was that close? Uh, Brunt has coached me to say Jason Machachok. Oh, I was kind of around the neighborhood. Yeah, you were were in the neighborhood. Yeah, I, I was talk. previously saying Jason Macy is Jack. So <laughs> yeah. um, I was not in the neighborhood. I was like four towns over. So you were at least in the right town. Well, Jason M, as he would be like de- described as like on the episode of The Bachelorette, if there were like three Jasons, Jason M, um, I think he's going to play D-line from what he kind of told us near the end to start. He could be either or sort of in that Mason Goldman category. Um, he intrigues me just from the fact that, uh, he can lift a house. Like he, he was doing like his, his bench work. And I mean, he's putting up numbers that are like, would impress at the combine as a high school senior. So I'm just curious, like how he fits in, if it'll take some time, you know, to show the other parts of his game, but he's a guy like I think of as a sleeper. All right. So I've got one for you too. And it might be right there on that defense offensive line as well um i ever since he sort of appeared on the radar and this is kind of when i had checked out for for personal reasons in january but sua lafotu is a big guy that you can stick in the middle of a defensive line at six foot four 285 is what he's listed i don't know what he's at right now he comes from a great program um you know out there in california and in saint john bosco He was already a rotational player there. He suffered a bit of a knee injury that slowed some of his recruitment down. But still, you had some of those teams out there on the West Coast that are notable for having these Polynesian defensive linemen uh, were recruiting them hard at the end. And Nebraska came in. um, I believe there is a bit of a Rayola connection there. 
that sort of helped Nebraska get on the radar a little bit. And then they ended up with this commitment and a signature. And I look at uh, Sua Lavotu as someone that, you know, maybe, maybe he can push right away. Maybe he can't. But if you look at that interior defensive line, I mean, without Steven Wynn, and it's, it's, you know, pretty open. Like they're going to, if someone can come in and give them 15, 20 snaps and doesn't drop off on, on that defense. I mean, whether it's Riley Van Poppel or Sue Lafotu or, or Jason Machachok, I mean, they're going to have some interesting opportunities there. And maybe all three of them can force some issue. And the other thing, Brian, you know, it's, it's been sort of fascinating since this change happened. Nebraska hasn't won much and it hasn't really been that big of a conversation, but there's a way where you could utilize those three guys and get them in different games to get reps while all protecting their red shirt, you know, like they could play and, you know, you, you, maybe Riley Van Pop only plays in four games, but he gets used in the month of November and it kind of helps put you over top to get to a bowl game. And Sue Lafotu helps in October and Jason, you know, uh, Machachok helps in September. I mean, I, I don't know that that's how that it's going to be, but when you're talking about as many people as they brought in, and if they're trying to protect red shirts while also getting some game experience, this staff might be in a better position to do that than the previous one, which felt like it was constantly mm-hmm. having to sacrifice the future for what's right in front of its face. I don't know if that that's going to be the mentality uh, for, for Matt rule in this first year. And so you might see some different usage for some of these true freshmen without pushing them over that four game mark, if they show they're able to play, that's a big thing. They're not going to throw people out there that can't play. The story of this class to me will be if like two years from now, we're talking about, I mean, the O-line and D-line guys coming in, they're very, they're very interesting. And there's a lot of them. And the question is if in two years we're talking about like a, I don't know what the hit rate has to be but like a little bit above 50% at least or 60% hit rate where you feel like, man, these, we, you got some guys out of there. I mean, you just think about the whole line where you're talking like Sam sledge, you know, Brock Knudsen, Gunnar Gatula, who's already here, Mason Goldman. And then you think about like Cam Lenhart on the defense and Prince well already making uh, waves and Jason and Riley Van Poppel, Vincent Carroll Jackson. There's like 10 to 12 names between the O-line and D-line trenches where every one of those guys in a podcast like this right now, you could bring up and talk yourself into. And it's just a matter of can Nebraska actually at the same time on both sides there develop these guys where in a couple of years we're like, okay, more than several are starting or they're, they're right in that hunt. And you just feel like Nebraska's trenches are in a different place than they've been in a while. And to me, they're obviously the receiver room. We know about the problems of maintaining guys there, and that's got to be a storyline too. But I would start with those O-line and D-line guys and just say, it's got to happen now. It's got to start. It doesn't matter if they play like six games this year, some of them, but if two in two or three years, we're like, yeah, that was a great class as far as just rebuilding what it's supposed to look like um, in what I view as the most important position groups on your team in this conference, um, that'll be the story. Yeah. I, you know, you talk about looking two years into the future. I mean, two guys that I feel pretty strongly about on, on opposite sides there. I, I feel great about Riley Van Poppel. I think Nebraska is certainly going to get production from him. Um, 
I, I just really believe in, in his uh, ability and his mental attitude. And he gives me a lot of Garrett Nelson vibes um, in a different way, less, less, you know, red ass man on fire, but still that just like burning desire to go prove that he's everything that uh, the people around him think he can be as a football player and the amount of work that he's already putting in in the offseason. And then the other guy that, you know, you, you mentioned his name first when talking about the offensive lineman. I I feel like the safest bet in the entire 2023 class to be a multi-year starter is Sam Sledge. Like, I just think the path is already drawn for him to be the center after Ben Scott leaves in two years and for him to take over in 2025 as Nebraska. Like, I just, I it's just like this, you know, uh, vision that I have in my wow. head. I don't know that uh, I didn't. I didn't do an Aaron Rodgers, you know, quest of darkness to get this vision. I didn't take any peyote to get this vision. But when I look ahead into two years and I look at this recruiting class or the signee class, I feel very comfortable in saying I, I expect Sam Sledge is going to be the center in 2025, and I think he's going to be good. I really do. Mm-hmm. There's something about him that I just fully believe in. And it's not like I went and watched a dozen Creighton prep games. And I'm not, you know, I can't sit here and break down his tape, but he's just a very good, very confident player. And really, Brian, it's what everyone else says about him that just gets you excited. Like every coach in the Metro talks about how he's the best offensive lineman and how he was, you know, the key cog in a great Creighton prep offensive line and all of these things. It's just, I'm, I'm all the way bought in. Like I, there's, you know, like I, there's no room for me to buy in more on Sam Sledge. Like I'm already there. Sounds like it. You can see into the future. That was it. Was making me think of like Conan O'Brien. How he could see in the future in the year 2000. Do you remember that bit where he used to do in the year 2000? Nope, I don't. Oh, okay, never mind. I, I, I've got to admit here that I've never been the biggest Conan O'Brien. Guy. Oh, all right. Outside fine. of when Norm Macdonald was on, those were like must-watch <laughs> clips on YouTube. Like I think I've watched every appearance Norm's ever made. Real quick, real quickly, he had a bit where he would like in the '90s. It was they, him and Andy Richter would look into what make jokes about what would be in the year 2000. But the funny part was they kept the bit going. It it was like 2007, and they were still saying 2000. But anyway, um, it doesn't work as well since you can't play off it with me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. um, Yeah, I I I agree with what you're saying about Sam Sledge, though. It's he's he legacy guy. You just you love for some of those legacy dudes like in Maverick Noonan, we didn't even talk about, but I mean, like guys like that, if they, if they were just ballers, just like their dads were, I mean, that'd be something. <laughs> I, I mean, people <laughs> would take a Danny Noonan right out there on that. <laughs> Danny, I, mean, Noonan, I, didn't, I didn't watch him play, but I've seen him in person. He looks I like he could play. Current, yeah. They take current Danny Noonan on that defense. Danny right Noonan now. could probably give them 20 to 25 reps right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's an interview I want to see. You go find him and you ask how many reps he could get right now. <laughs> I think he would confidently tell you it'd be more than that. I don't know. Yeah, but anyway, he he. The point is that guy. Like, yeah, he look he looks apart, and so does Maverick. So, um, we'll see if some of those guys can take off. No, absolutely. All right, well, let's take a, a quick time out here. When we return, we're going to dive into Nebraska's secondary for 2023. How things look right now. Some of the new names that are popping up. All of that and more here on the Husker 24-7 podcast.
Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperice.com. Secondary talk. All right, Evan Cooper's first year with this group. Uh, there's, you know, he inherited a, a pretty good room. I mean, I, I feel like yeah. he came into a situation that was better than some of his uh, contemporaries on Nebraska staff. And some of that is I'm really high on Quentin Newsom. I still need to put together my my uh, most indispensable list, but I assure you Quentin Newsom is going to be quite high on that for me. So uh, after the podcast, Brian, I will. I will get that done and get that over to you. But uh, Quentin Newsom, um, and then, you know, a bunch of guys that got experience that uh, had, you know, some growing pains, but had the opportunity to play for a lot uh, of reps and everything. And we don't know the status of exactly when Marquise Buford's going to be back, but we know that's someone they like a lot. Uh, Miles Farmer is a guy that's going to be involved just to, to some level. And then they went out in the transfer portal and they brought in some other defensive backs that are going to help keep this thing interesting. Brian, when you assess the secondary, once you get past Quentin Newsom, where's your attention go as you kind of look at this next wave of defensive backs for Nebraska? Well, Malcolm Hartzog, uh, because everybody loves Malcolm Hartzog after they see him a bit. You know, last year's staff, it took him a bit, but that's expected sometimes with a young player, especially a guy who, when you look at him, you're like, really this guy? You know, because he's kind of undersized and all that, but uh, the thing I think we've talked about on this pod before with Hartzog was um, he was just always there in position to make a play. And I know on a couple, he lost a couple jump balls. So that'll be the question mark. You got to answer a little bit more as you go forward with his size, but he's got the leaping ability and just the coverage skills that, you know, he's a guy who's just not going to have a lot of bust and he's going to be there with the opportunity to get the ball and um, he had a lot, bunch of picks last year for a first-year guy, too, in key moments. So um, he jumps out at me. I think Omar Brown has second life with this staff. It felt like in the spring he was out there with the first unit in the spring game. We loved him last offseason as a portal addition from Northern Iowa. I think injuries sort of um, derailed him a bit maybe in the offseason, and then he just didn't play a ton of snaps. But he could be a rover-type guy. I don't know where we classify Isaac uh, Gifford. Um, but he's going to be huge, like as a Rover or whatever you want to call him. Um, another guy, this staff loves, there are some interesting position battles though. Like miles farmers going to have to, like, there's some mm-hmm. veterans who are going to have to fight like Nick Hendricks, a linebacker is going to have to fight, you know, like back. Cause there's some guys that are like in position and miles farmer at safety was actually with the second team in the spring game. If people noticed Corey Collier 
who we didn't hear a lot about in the spring, just wasn't asked about. And then he did an interview the last couple of days before the, the scrimmage and he was out there at the top unit. So I think you got to put him on the radar and then I'll throw out a wild card and turn it to you. Like a Deshaun Singleton is somebody I still wonder about if he can like get in the mix, you know, and I do think a, a true freshman could pop up. I don't know which one it's going to be, whether it's Dwight Boodle who seemed to have a good spring after he got out there or Ethan nation who I wrote about like somebody like that, that, that just jumps in and maybe he's not a starter, but he's like on the two deep and you know, he's going to be in the, um, in the mix. Cause I do think Schaefer there's, I love Newsom and Hartzog if Hartzog is going to play corner. But after that, I think the door is open for guys to oh, claim yeah. a spot on that depth chart. I mean, Tommy Hill, what, can he be a factor? You know, guys like that, you wonder about. Yeah, no, I think that's, uh, I, I definitely think that's a, a salient point that there's going to be opportunity there behind those top two corners. And it'll be interesting who sort of fits in there. You you were talking about freshmen that could make an impact. You mentioned this name at the front side of this podcast. Ramir Stewart is someone yeah. to, uh, to, to keep an eye on, of course as well in that defensive secondary. But yeah, there's there's a lot of names. I so many names that I couldn't even come up with Malcolm Hartzog when we were talking initially. And I that's someone I obviously like a lot uh moving forward. And so um you know this uh this secondary group is is really deep and and as you said there's gonna be some uh some fights. I mean Deshaun Singleton had a really interesting um spring I think he he had sort of a he would say that it was a learning year, you know, that first year here at Nebraska. I don't think it quite went how he wanted to, but he really felt strongly that he came to the place he needed to be. He connected quickly with Evan Cooper. I think he feels pretty good there. And there is a reason that Travis Fisher really liked him out of junior college. And I think there's a reason that he's working well uh, with the staff. And so that's a guy who might force his way into some kind of rotation um, just because he's you know, he's got a little bit of playing experience. He can move, and and I think he's someone that uh, can be pretty helpful on that back end. So I, I I'm glad you mentioned Deshaun Singleton because that's someone to probably keep an eye on. You know, it's it's funny because we we spend so much time, Brian, talking about the newcomers that you sort of forget guys like Deshaun Singleton, Tommy Hill, Javier Morton, other ones yeah. like Omar Brown. Like they didn't have a good 2022. But it doesn't mean that they're just bust for 2023. Like one, two of those guys could end up playing, you know, pivotal parts for this season. And that's that's part of the, the whole process of going and accumulating talent is that maybe it doesn't happen right away. But, you know, not everyone's development is the same. Not everyone's ability to, to go out there and impress is the same. Some people take a little bit longer time, but you could end up with a better overall player. And so I, I am not writing off any of those guys in this moment uh, because I, I am curious to see what they could look like with a different staff and a different scheme uh, and within a year of power five football under their belt too. So uh, other than Tommy Hill for a lot of those guys, they were making adjustments to playing in the big 10 for the first time. Like what do they look like now that they've gone through uh, a year of this? You know what? I go back to a quote Tony White had in the spring that I think is going to be key in deciding who's who, who matters and who doesn't in this defense and in the secondary. And he was talking about how sometimes in a play from point A to point B, it doesn't go exactly how you want. Like in that, there's an example early in the spring, Omar Brown made a, a misstep or something early on in a play 
but he improvised and had the instincts to know through his football background what was going to happen. And he ended up with an interception from point B to point C of that play. And I'm not going to explain it like Tony White can explain his defense. It's going to be fun seeing like what it's all about, but it has caused a lot of turnovers when it was at Syracuse. And I think it's going to be an integral part of like who's, um, you know, who matters, like who has the ability if the beginning isn't exactly like you think it's going to be yet you're able to on the fly have that ability with your instincts to cover ground and change, change that, how that play ends up. And um, that's why a guy like Omar Brown, I kind of bet on a little bit because I think he's got all that experience. His Northern Iowa, Iowa background suggests he's a, a ball hawk. Hartsog, you bet on because he's already – sometimes we call it luck, but it just happened so much last year where Hartsog just happened to be where the ball was. You know, like well, even, and they were throwing at him. I mean, teams yeah. were not going at Quentin Newsom, so they were going at him. But here's the thing. He was winning battles. So mm-hmm. that's that becomes a thing where quarterbacks are going to have to weigh that risk. Yeah. But you remember, like, Nebraska blocked a punt one game, and he just happened to be the guy who was there and, Indiana. Was, and ran it in. And uh, so, yeah, like you could say, well, I could have done that. I could for do interception. Yeah. yeah. But sometimes it's just like certain guys have that it part about them where – you, at some point you say, no, it's not just luck that he's there. And of course, yes, they're throwing at him. So that's a part of it. But uh, even on like overthrows and stuff, it would always end up like he was the guy. I think he sealed the Rutgers game until Nebraska almost fumbled the final snap um, in, in the victory formation, which was like, just shows how difficult it is around oh, here. Man. But um, they didn't fumble it and he had the pick that sort of ended it. So um yeah, I just think it's going to be those guys who, um, you know, maybe maybe there's a, a wrong read or something off the bat, but they have an ability to adjust within the play, and uh, that's going to matter a lot in this defense. Yeah, I'm trying to think of different Huskers throughout history that fit that description where you're like, man, he's always Johnny on the spot. Mm-hmm. And most recently, I felt like Nate Gary had this, like, innate ability to just be – in the right moment at the right time for a lot of those, uh, you know, that 2016 season, I feel like he did that a bunch uh, for, for Polini in 2014. Like I just, there's, there's something about Nate Gary where he was just always, and you know, you asked Josh Allen, he was definitely in the right spot that day. Um, <laughs> handed him, you know, handed him the ball. Up the right. Road. Yeah. He just, there was something about him where he just wasn't always, maybe where the defense called for him to be, but he was where he needed to be, if that makes sense. Geez, Josh Allen made a freaking throw in that game, though. That was amazing. He, I still remember he made this throw to the corner of the end zone, and it was like, oh, my goodness. Like, despite his five interceptions, I'm sure NFL people, like, played that back and forth. They're like, this guy's ridiculous. Yeah. It, it turned out pretty good for, for both uh, Super Bowl champion Nate Gary and for uh, – and for noted quarterback Josh Allen as well. Uh, who else? Uh, you you can go deeper than I can. Terrell Farley is one of those guys that always felt like, you know, Johnny on the spot with his fifty-seven punt blocks and touchdowns <laughs> and interceptions and whatever else it was, and like a no. two and a half year span. Well, Baron Miles was that guy. Um, uh, Baron was the guy last year, and I don't want to misquote Bill Bush. He said, "I be careful with this," but he said Hartsog has the same sort of traits that sort of baron has and maybe a little undersized but he makes up for it in a lot of ways like josh bullock's 
was yep. a guy, I think, in the 2003 Polini defense that just had a ton of interceptions, and Demario Williams was a playmaker closer to the ball that like that. So Nebraska's just got to find a lot of guys who do their jobs well, but then you they need those like two or three guys I think this year to emerge here. They're just like, Oh man, racers. He, he got another, he got another one. Like, yeah. you know, like where you don't just have one guy like that, but you have a few of them and it's just like, okay, there's a chase on here to see who can have the most picks. It, like we need something like that. I think to happen on that side of the ball to start changing the direction of Husker football too. I, so I have this memory of one of the Bullocks brothers. I want to say it was Daniel. Like, just ripped a ball straight out of some guy's hands. I, I think it was like the Wake Forest game or whatever. And mm-hmm. do you remember this at all? Yeah. Is this, I, sometimes I feel like I have these memories and I think I maybe create my own brain, but I have a very strong memory of I, I don't feel like I'd ever really seen that before. He just came in and just ripped it right out of the offensive guy's hands and starts yeah. running in the other direction. It was incredible. Yeah. I know the player you're talking about. I think it was Daniel Bullock's. And a guy we'd be remiss to not say in this conversation, one of my favorites was Dijon Gomes. Like yeah. Gomes just had such a knack for, um, I, I remember an 09 game in Lawrence, Kansas, Nebraska probably doesn't win that game. Gomes they had a like strip crap that day. Yeah. They, they pulled it out in part because they got a big penalty break at late in the fourth quarter after falling behind, but also Gomes uh, ripped the ball out inside the five yard line and has also the, my favorite Husker takeaway of all time in the big 12 championship game against Texas when the defense was so dominant and Texas is trying to salt it away late and Gomes just rips the ball away from the guy for a pick and like holds it up with one hand. Like here it is. And it was, it was just such a, badass play um like so return of that in some form from somebody please that would that would be fun bc wants more more badassery here on nebraska's defense can tony white deliver the badasses that's what that's what we want to know on this on this husker 24 7 podcast all right we don't have brunch with us today uh but nebraska baseball season ended in the big 10 tournament they went out in the I don't even know what you would call it. The like semifinals, the semis, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Uh, to a Maryland squad that ended up winning the Big Ten. Nebraska in both games took Maryland to the wire. Uh, you know, played really well. Uh, got an incredible performance the day after a crushing loss from, from Will Walsh. One of just a, a tremendous pitching performance. Um, Brian, do you have any thoughts on this baseball season? I know you followed it at least a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I follow it, I think, like a lot of people around the program or the state do, where it's sort of like you have um, a summary knowledge of the team and they kind of have to earn it where you're like yeah. really where, you know, each guy and like specific guys role and stuff like the team a few years ago did. And honestly, this isn't anything that's a revelation, but they've got to find some pitching depth. I felt like even though the games didn't count in the big 10 standings, those losses that they would have midweek to like your UNOs and your Cretans, I think, I think it hurts your momentum, especially in this state where those games sort of matter to people and you lose to the Jays and people are kind of down on you about it. And maybe it didn't mean anything in the conference chase, but it hurts your RPI. And it kind of just takes a little of your mojo away when you're constantly having to come back 
after a Tuesday loss or a kind of a poor performance uh, to re rebound. So that's, that's going to be a tough assignment to fix. They did pitch really well. I thought for the most part in, yeah. in Omaha. And frankly, if you, if you get that one hit or whatever on whatever it was Thursday night against Maryland in the first matchup, who knows what happens because then you're sitting in the winner's bracket and that it was just such a tough hill to climb after that one got away. That game was going to be everything I thought going into it. And it turned out it probably was. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right on, on everything you said there. I mean, I, I think my big takeaway from this team is they had all the talent in the world to be playing in the, the NCAA tournament uh, this week. They should be in a regional, but they didn't take care of business at home a lot of times against these summit league teams. And, that's something that Will Bolt's going to have to figure out. And they're going to have to do it without a lot of regulars. I mean, you're saying goodbye to Bryce Matthews and, and Max Anderson and, you know, whatever your thoughts are on, on Bryce Matthews' defense. They didn't have another shortstop to put out there. I mean, he had to play that position out of necessity. And that's a guy that's going to get drafted in the top four rounds in the Major League Baseball draft, mm. slotted in as a second baseman somewhere, and he's going to hit his ass off. And it's the same for Max Anderson. I mean, those two guys – uh, put together monster seasons. Emmett Olson was a big part of everything as a Friday starter. Chase Shanneman's career ends with Nebraska. And, and you know, it's unfortunate that it uh, will end with a lot of people remembering that home run, the walk-off from, from Maryland where you're one pitch away from getting out of that inning. And he was probably one pitch away from being done uh, in that game regardless. So uh, they're, they're going to have to replace a lot of pieces. And they have a lot of talent. I think I don't think the issue for Will Bolt is getting the talent. I think they just have to put together these teams where if you can finally line it up where they have this offense humming and you get a little bit better pitching, they could be the best team in this conference. I don't I don't think they're that far from that. But before they get there, they got to be the best team in this state. And yeah. they got to be the best team in this state on weekdays. And they got to be the best team in the summit. If they're going to schedule everybody from that damn conference, you got to beat them. Um, and these are all things they know, but – uh, it's frustrating because I, I think they're close, but nobody wants to hear about how close you are when you're losing to South Dakota State on a Wednesday. Like, that doesn't matter. Mm. Uh, you know, they went out and they beat Old Miss and Vanderbilt this year. Yeah. They they handled themselves pretty well outside of one horrifically bad series against Iowa uh, in a Big Ten that's solid, not great. Uh, but Nebraska needs to move from solid to great. And I think they're just in the solid category right now. And that's going to be the cross for Will Bolt to bear as he gets him ready for 2024. But I don't think they're on a program on a backslide by any means, but uh, they got to get some forward momentum. And, and as you said, and I agree, it starts with a lot of those midweek games. So we'll get Brunson's thoughts on that when we get him back. Uh, we'll dive into his thoughts on Daniel Kalen. He visited with him over the weekend, saw him throw, uh, work out a little bit at a camp. Uh, so we'll we'll hit up brunch for those. Uh, for BC, I'm Mike Schaefer. We're Husker 24-7. We got plenty of content this week as the calendar marches towards June. Camps are coming. Official visits are coming. Commits are coming. All of that is going to be happening this month. Later this week, we'll get into the uh, official visitors for the first visit weekend. We'll dive into some of those people, their stories, what to expect, who could potentially commit, all that and more uh, when we return for another Husker 24-7 podcast later this week. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. 
So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball. And baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does. <laughs> Nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.